Welcome to The Dig, a podcast from Jacobin Magazine. My name is Daniel Denver, and I'm broadcasting from Providence, Rhode Island. This is your weekly Friday Tiny Dig, or Diglet, where I talk to someone smart about the past week's news. Unsurprisingly, that news has been horrendous. The Trump administration, just as Houston, started looking ahead at a long, expensive, and painful recovery, and as yet another hurricane, Irma, loomed off the coast, announced that it will end DACA, a program that provides protection from deportation to young, undocumented immigrants who came to this country as children. Outrageous but hardly surprising, the move, if Congress doesn't act, will mean that some 800,000 people who, by and large, know no other country but this one, and who, thanks to DACA, have been able to work and go to college, will be eligible for deportation. It is, even by the brutal standards of this country's history of immigration enforcement, spectacularly cruel. My guest today is Cesar Cuauhtémoc García Hernández, a professor of law at the University of Denver and the author of the always enlightening, often depressing blog, Crimigration.com. Before we get started, as you've no doubt noticed, we are now doing two episodes a week, the Longer Dig and the Stiglet. We've gotten a really great response, including dozens of new supporters on Patreon. To keep it going, however, we need yet more support still. So thanks to everyone who has donated, and if you're a regular listener, or a new listener who's quickly fallen in love with the show, please press pause now and go to patreon.com slash the dig. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the dig. And make a contribution. If you give 10 bucks a month or more, we have socialist book swag to send you. And if you have donated already, I want to thank you again. I really can't thank you enough. I get an email notification every time someone new donates, and it gives me a really pleasant shot of dopamine, which is the sort of drug relief at the bare minimum, the bare minimum, that I'm going to need to make it through the Trump administration. Our goal right now is to reach 700 supporters in total by the end of the year. We think we can do it, but we can only do it if you help us. So please go to patreon.com slash the dig. And I also wanted to tell you that we have a really exciting fall lineup in the works. So far, and it's not completely finalized yet, but so far, I've scheduled interviews with Khaled Badoon, Aziz Rana, Francis Fox Piven, Brandy Jensen, Leslie Lee, Eve Pacer, Paul Freimer, Matt Chrisman, Corey Robin, Matt Karp, Noel Bridgen, Tim Shorak, Nikhil Saval, and Dorothy Roberts. And there are more to come. And next week, on Tuesday, I'll be posting a special three-interview episode on Houston. Thanks for listening, and here's the show. Cesar Cuauhtémoc García Hernández, welcome back to The Dig. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm happy to do it. 
It's uh, good to have you back, even though the circumstances that prompted me to reach out to you are pretty horrible. Trump's revocation of DACA isn't exactly surprising, but it's still astoundingly cruel. What was your reaction? Yeah, I think no one was surprised that this decision um, came, and certainly not in the last uh, week or two, where we kept getting updates, uh, hints at updates uh, from from the president and senior advisors in the White House. Um, but that doesn't mean that the impact is any less devastating on all those young people who have invested time, energy, years money uh, into educating themselves, into establishing their their um, lives as professionals, as members of our workforces, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and having um, now been doing this uh, for many years, they've, they've really um, shown themselves to be able to rise to the opportunity uh, that DACA presented for them. And so it's a, it's a blow, um, even an enormous blow. Um, one that should not be understated in any way, even if it was not a particularly surprising decision from from the president. What do you think the path forward is? Trump kicked the issue to Congress, and then he also said that he might revisit the issue if Congress does nothing. <laughs> what do you make of Trump's comments, if, you, if one can make anything clear of them? Yeah. And do you believe that Congress might finally come through? They, they certainly have not done so in the past. Yeah, I think it's important to um, be somewhat skeptical of President Trump's comments, uh, whether they are in tweets, whether they are coming out of his mouth. He has shown himself um, to be remarkably uh, uninterested in meandering from point A to point B and um, unperturbed by uh, completely uh, flipping uh, his positions. I think this is the re- this is the the logical result of being um, largely ideologically um, uh, uh, vacuous um, and ha- not having at all an, uh, an understanding, not having shown at least uh, uh, publicly an understanding of the impact of the, the many, many decisions that he and his administration are making. Just uh, today, he sent out a tweet about how uh, folks who have DACA don't have anything to to worry about. Um, that is that, that that's simply it's it's ludicrous um to to say that uh, folks who have who have daca um have a lot everything their their lives um um uh, to worry about and and, and that's that's in that, uh, uh, to quote him he says you have nothing to worry about um uh, that that suggests at best that he has no idea what the impact of his administration's decisions is. Um, will Congress act? Um, who knows? Congress has shown itself uh, consistently incapable of doing exactly what it is now in their in their court to do. Um, I I I don't think that the history of the Dream Act um, suggests that we ought to be particularly hopeful, um, but I do think that this is an opportunity for advocates and activists to push Congress 
to take the morally uh, and economically sound position, um, which is to provide a legalization behalf for for um, these young people, uh, but not to do so um, on the basis of um, of, of exclude, figuring out, of thinking about how many people to exclude. Um, DACA is a remarkably narrow um, um, uh, um, um, process or, 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 or um, program um, that excludes all kinds of people who are just ordinary human beings. Um, and I would hope that Congress um, takes a more expansive view of that, and at least the activists um, push Congress to do that. I want to talk about Attorney General Jeff Sessions' announcement. He made a lot of inflammatory statements during his speech on ending DACA. The effect of this unilateral executive amnesty, among other things, contributed to a surge of minors at the southern border that yielded terrible humanitarian consequences. It also denied jobs to hundreds of thousands of Americans by allowing those same illegal aliens to take those jobs. Sessions said that DACA effectively provided a legal status to immigrants and that it was an unconstitutional executive usurpation of what should be a legislative matter. What's your response to that? Yeah, DACA um, never provided a legal status for anyone. It, it provided a, a, a promise of a reprieve from immigration enforcement actions. Um, and that promise is, is what's known in the law as deferred action, the D and the A in DACA. Um, this is a longstanding um, uh, practice uh, within immigration law, well, well precedes the Obama administration. Um, and it's just a form of prosecutorial discretion. And prosecutorial discretion is common uh, across areas of law. It's, it's extremely common in the criminal context um, where prosecutors have basically um, uh, un, unhindered um, uh, authority to decide which um, crimes to investigate, which not to investigate, which uh, uh, suspects to to uh, charge with with criminal offenses and which not to. Um, sometimes that's for good reasons. Sometimes that's for bad reasons. Sometimes we might say, well, you know, we know that uh, Denver is full of people who are engaging in federal drug crimes, um, but we're not going to go after go after them um, uh, because of some countervailing reason. Um, you know, I can point you in that direction from where I'm sitting in my office at the University of Denver right now. Um, and, and then that, that might be a perfectly good reason um, to decide not to prosecute certain kinds of criminal activity. Um, other reasons are well, you know, sometimes just I know I, I know I know this person's father, right? And my, his father is my, my 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 golfing buddy. And, uh, and and whether it's a good reason or a bad reason, the courts are pretty clear that we leave that decision to prosecutors um, to decide for themselves uh, which which offenses to go after. And deferred action is nothing more than a, than a form of prosecutorial discretion uh, that that didn't start with President Obama or with with DACA and won't end with 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 DACA's uh, demise uh, either. Sessions also said that DACA created this sort of moral hazard that incentivized the massive influx of Central American refugees in recent years. Is that why Central Americans, uh, tens of thousands of them, came to the U.S.? There's absolutely no uh, empirical basis for that claim. Uh, the 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 reality is that Central America has has been ravaged by by violence. 
um, and economic despair in the last uh, several years, including uh, violence that is being perpetrated, is being led by the gangs, the so-called the maras, as they're called in, in Spanish, uh, gangs that originated in the United States um, in in the 1980s and and flourished uh, in Central America when uh, the United States chose to uh, address the the reality that young immigrants uh, who were brought here as as children and were being socialized in our urban areas in the 1980s and early 1990s were being were being uh, pushed into a marginal existence where they oftentimes um, when during those those peak teenage years when young boys uh, do all kinds of dumb things, uh, uh, many of them engage in criminal activity as a result of uh, or as part of as part of gangs. And instead of addressing those root causes of poverty and marginalization and and uh, and, 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 and and poor uh, public education systems, uh, Congress, working with multiple presidential administrations, decided to try to deport our way out of that problem. Uh, and what we did was we uh, ended up fomenting the gang problem that fast forward 20 years uh, or 25 years um, results in uh, destabilization of many Central American nations to the point that young children end up, uh, and, and families um, end up fleeing uh, to the United States uh, in search of in search of just the ability, the basic ability to to live, um, and it's that, and not a temporary promise of of uh, that, uh, that 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 immigration enforcement actions won't be initiated against you. Um, that leads to so many people trying to come to the United States. And Trump and Sessions demagogue around the specter of Mara Salvatrucha a lot, but it's really important to understand, as you said, that the that gang uh, was born in in Los Angeles. Um, amongst young people who fled wars in cent- dirty wars in Central America, fueled by the Reagan administration, so we really have responsibility for um, the recent wave of Central American refugees on many levels, um, in a way that has nothing to do with DACA at all. Yeah, that's right, and and I, I think this is one of those instances in which uh, if policymakers were to um, uh, learn a little bit about the history of the United States and actually um, actually put some emphasis on learning from our past practices, uh, we may all be better off. So Sessions also said that DACA recipients stole American jobs. Yeah. Um, <sighs> The economy is – we often talk about the economy as being a pie um, and having slices. Um, it's just – I don't know who came up with that with, with that image of, of, of the economy. They, they, I think they've done an enormous disservice to all of us because um, that suggests that the, pie, that, that the economy is fixed, that it's static, um, that it exists in, 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 in some size and we – we carve out pieces, some to you and some to me. And the more the more the uh, work that you have, that means the less work I have. The more income that you have, the less income I have. And that's just not the way that the economy works. It's a dyna- 
dynamic creature. It contracts and it expands. We've seen these contractions. Um, we've seen them have devastating effects. We've seen expansions, and we've seen the, that expansion be able to to improve the lives of generations of of people in the United States. Um, uh, that's not any different now. Um, uh, DACA recipients are not so extraordinary. They're not so powerful that they can alter the forces of capitalism by themselves. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, and, and it's and, a and it's and, a remarkable uh, statement from an administration that, along with their congressional allies, um, is so dedicated to redistributing as much money possible upward to the super rich. It's a remarkable scapegoating. It, it is, and it's a it's a it's a suggestion um, either that they don't understand the way the economy operates, um, or that they are perfectly willing to lie in 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 defense of uh, uh, other other items on their agenda, particularly uh, demonizing migrants, and and I, I I think it's the latter of the two. Another thing that Sessions said um, in terms of the legal question is he seemed to mislead on the the judicial history of DAPA or Deferred Action for Parents of Americans. In my hearing of what he said, he made it sound like the Fifth Circuit's ruling against DAPA, which upheld a district court judge's nationwide injunction against it, and which was later infirmed by a split Supreme Court, he seemed to me to suggest that it was presidential which I don't think is quite right. Um, what's your take on that? And first explain what DAPA is or was. Yeah, the deferred action for uh, parents of Americans and lawful permanent residents program is what, what we often refer to uh, as DAPA. And that would have uh, um, provided, um, again, the temporary reprieve uh, from enforcement actions of, of, of the parents who have um, uh, of certain parents. Um, parents have um, uh, U.S. citizen kids and, and permanent resident kids. Permanent residence is just the, the formal way in immigration law of describing somebody has a green card. Um, uh, DAPA was challenged uh, by uh, a number of uh, Republican-led states um, uh, with, with Texas at the forefront, um, and and that was enjoined by a district court judge, Andrew Hainan, um, located in, in South Texas. Um, that was affirmed by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and then and then the U.S. Supreme Court entered a split uh, decision four-four, um, uh, which just affirmed automatically affirms it. Which automatically affirms the lower court decision, um, so the the Fifth Circuit decision. Um, but to say that that has any bearing on on the the DACA program itself is um, is, is 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 slightly wrong. And, and and Attorney General Sessions, I think, is is not um, is not confused about that. I think I think that that again was just um, obfuscation. Uh, I think that was just a lie um, because there's a lot of um, things, but he's not an idiot. <laughs> He's not an idiot. Yeah, he's not dumb. Um, and 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 there are, there are senior people within the Justice Department who are who who are um, very clear clear about um, the distinction between DAPA and DACA. Um, so. No court has, uh, to date, has en- uh, entered a decision on the legality of DACA, uh, and and to act on. Uh, Attorney General Sessions made a lot in his speech um, on Tuesday about the possibility that some states, again led by Texas, might sue challenging the legality of DACA. Um, and that, that was a, he said that that was an, a, a significant factor 
and the administration, the Trump administration, decided to rescind uh, DACA. Um, but of course, that's not an actual lawsuit. It hasn't actually happened. He's acted on the basis of a possible, of a threatened lawsuit. Um, I would now, now that we have at least two actual lawsuits that have been filed in the last 36 hours or 48 hours um, uh, challenging the Trump administration's decision to end DACA, I wonder if that means that he's going to give equal weight or greater weight, actually, to the actual lawsuits than he gave to the hypothetical lawsuits. Um, so maybe, maybe now he's going he's gonna to actually rescind his rescission <laughs> because he has been sued uh, twice. Yeah, who knew Jeff Sessions was so gun shy? Exactly. Uh, who who knew that he 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 that after all those years in, in the United States Senate, uh, he he would he would run and hide as soon as somebody threatened to sue them. The Justice Department, the federal government, gets sued all the time. And if he's gonna if he's gonna cower uh, at the moment that somebody sues him, uh, then then we need somebody else at the helm of the Justice Department. Speaking of Sessions' true motivations, I think he got to the heart of them when he made a pitch um, in announcing the end of DACA for Trump's proposal to limit authorized immigration. Um, there's always all this attention pay- paid to, quote unquote, illegal immigration. But the na- nativist xenophobe movement has always its true goal has always been to sharply reduce legal immigration and to turn the clock back to 1964 when the country had an explicitly white supremacist immigration system in place. Yeah, I I, I think it, 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 it in the way there's a little there's a bit of a of a um breath of fresh air that comes out in moments like that where 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 high high level officials like the attorney general um stop lying and and reveal their their true colors the the immigration restrictionist uh restrictionist lobby in the United States um led by organizations like uh Center for Immigration Studies have um have long uh wanted a a smaller number of lawful uh immigrants being admitted into the United States into the country and they now have um they now have a voice in 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 the cabinet and and they have staff level um voices as as well um within spread throughout the the administration and so i, I think in a, in a way so those kinds of comments um are ought to be um, received as indications of their of their true colors, and and at least you know, be be moments in which um, advocates for immigrants can 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 stop and and pause and and get a, and truly assess um, what the Trump administration's uh, goals regarding immigration are, as opposed to having to navigate through this thicket of lies and obfuscations and and at least when we're dealing with the president himself, complete misunderstandings of what what what's happening. I th- I think in the in the past that mainstream immigration moderates have so often sold out undocumented immigrants um, to protect relatively high levels of authorized immigration. But not only is that cynical and cruel towards unauthorized immigrants, it also clearly, now that Trump and Sessions are um, in the White House and the Justice Department, it clearly didn't didn't work. And by feeding the fires of anti 
you know, quote unquote, illegal immigrant sentiment. Um, They've also brought these nativists who truly just want to sharply restrict immigration and especially immigration um, of uh, poor people of color really dramatically. Yeah, I think what we're talking about here is we're identifying this binary in immigration uh, law conversations that's existed over many years, which is that there are some 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 good immigrants and some bad immigrants, and that somehow it's possible to tell the two apart. That these are stark divisions between the good and the bad, and we define the good and the bad differently at different points in time. Sometimes it's are you Chinese or are you not Chinese? Are you white or are you not white? Are you uh, homosexual or heterosexual? And these days oftentimes it's, it's it's based on are you are you somebody who has a criminal history or don't have a or somebody who doesn't have a criminal history um and yet but the, the bottom line is that the the frame is always the cell the, the the same we're always trying to segregate between good people and bad people making more making policy assessments about the moral worth of individuals um and that is a really slippery line to to walk um because the, the because we're talking about people and people aren't um um, aren't easy, so easily categorized. We're all a mix of of good and bad. We've all done things that we regret the moment we do them. Um, and some of us are just fortunate enough that doesn't become a, a, a criminal blemish from which we can't escape. And others of us aren't, but it doesn't affect or uh, alter our moral worth. Uh, and I think Democrats and Republicans, uh, uh, liberals, uh, conservatives um, have quite often adopted that same frame even if they've disagreed on exactly who should fit into into the into the box and and I think uh, it would be well we would we all be well served uh if 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 there were a critical assessment of the of the role the proper role for for a good versus bad immigrant binary moving forward speaking of that bi- binary and the role that the specter of immigrant criminality plays in it sessions did suggest he didn't i don't think he quite out said this but he did suggest that the porting dreamers would keep the nation safe from crime and terrorism tell me about the linkage between immigrants and crime and the associated linkage of immigration enforcement and the criminal justice system or crimmigration so, so sessions addressed or suggested suggested that getting rid of dreamers would make the United States a safer place only because he was focused on 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 DACA um, on in Tuesday's uh, uh, announcement. In other speeches, he hasn't been focused narrowly on DACA. He's just been talking about immigration, and he's made exactly the same uh, claim about immigrants generally. Uh, the president, in his executive orders from January, uh, made the same claim that uh, people who are in the United States in violation of immigration law are national security threats um this is not this is not new to to uh the the announcement regarding the demise of of daca um it does fly in the face of uh about a century's worth of empirical data indicating that um immigrants uh don't commit as much crime as as the the native born um i think is that is um well that's true um i don't think we ought to place that much emphasis on whether immigrants do commit uh, more crime or do commit less crime uh than the born we ought to really just think about the fact that um immigrants are members of our communities they become members of our communities of uh after being here um and some parts of our um 
and, and, and some members of our communities um, engage in more wrongdoings than others, um, and some of those folks get caught and some don't. And um, and whether you get caught or not for engaging in criminal activity often depends on your race and your wealth. And these days, going back to the Reagan administration, but proceeding through the, 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 the Clinton years and the Obama years and the Bush both Bush both Bush year, both types of Bush years, um, we have uh, inexorably linked the criminal justice system with the immigration system, so that we've stacked of uh, a racially biased criminal criminal law enforcement apparatus, um, uh, uh, or, or we've ta- we've stacked an immigration law enforcement apparatus on top of a, cre- a racially biased criminal law enforcement apparatus, and not surprisingly, that has led to a racially biased immigration law enforcement apparatus. And looking back at the history of of DACA, it was really a mass movement um, against Obama's um, iteration of the this immigration enforcement system that ended up pushing him under just incredible pressure um, to enact DACA. DACA only exists because young young people became activists, and they showed no fear because. They ignored the warnings by the established liberal mainstream immigrant rights organizations and many older activists who told them to remain silent, to remain polite, to forgo civil disobedience, um, and by by the sheer force of will and organizational savviness of young people who were willing to quite literally put themselves on the line, blocking streets, uh, uh, um, infiltrating immigration detention centers, leaving the country and 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 applying moral pressure on the Obama administration to let them back into the United States, that's the reason DACA exists. Um, And it's that experience that gives me hope that we will be able to find a path to do what is morally right, not only by these young people who are now on the verge of losing DACA, but the millions more who uh, are just as much in need of a loosening of the immigration law uh, ties, um, but who weren't benefiting from DACA. Cesar Guatemoc, Garcia Hernandez, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Cesar Cuauhtémoc García Hernández is a professor of law at the University of Denver and the author of the blog Crimigration.com. Thank you for listening to The Dig, a podcast from Jacobin Magazine. As Marx once was overheard saying, while other podcasts have only interpreted the world in various ways, our point is to change it. We are posting new episodes every week, two episodes a week these days with your support on Patreon. The Dig was produced by Alex Lewis, music by Jeffrey Brodsky, 
Our Postmaster General is Christian Tyler. Follow us on Twitter at The Dig Radio, and please find us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. And if it's on iTunes, leave us a glowing review. Those reviews help bring the show to the attention of new listeners, which means more listeners, and that's great. Any propaganda on our behalf, on social media or in person, is greatly appreciated. Also, again, do find us on patreon.com slash the dig and make a monthly contribution if you like getting this second weekly dig, and I know you do. Even a few bucks is a huge help, and we truly, really, definitely, thoroughly appreciate it. Mm-hmm.